Good evening. Today is Monday, August 9th, 2021. We are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter uh, is the preface and the forwards, I believe. And our speaker tonight, straight from Los Angeles, one of the best and the brightest and the greatest people I know is Lewis. Thank you, Lewis. Thanks, Arlene. Hi, everyone. My name's Lewis. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, I know a bunch of you. Um, if you don't know me, I like to uh, share my photos uh, in the beginning because just because I'm all about proof, right? I, I come in skeptical of everything. It's just how I am. And I just figure, you know, if we're anything alike in this disease, maybe, you know, you've got a little skepticism when some dopey dude comes on the screen and, you know, wants to tell you, you know, some stuff. So let me just share my photos real quick. Um, uh, if you've heard me uh, talk about this before, you know, uh, forgive me if you're new. This this was me at my highest weight, 380 plus pounds. Um, yeah, I, I, I oh got it's so hard. You know, I have to remember what it was like um, because it's really the only way I can I can really give this away. Um, this was me at my highest weight, 380 plus pounds. And, and I always say the, the dopey joke of, uh, you know, it said 380 plus, cause that's what the scale said after I stopped, you know, getting on it. Right. And if you, you don't get on the scale, you can't gain weight, but I was living this great life, um, that or anyone else would call a great life. And I just don't remember any of it. Really. I just kind of got through moment to moment, you know, I still lost a hundred pounds, but still morbidly obese you know, alcohol was removed, but I just was still not, not living life. Um, incredibly dead inside a massive, massive spiritual sized, uh, God sized hole is in this guy's chest. And again, you know, even in the mid two thousands, baggy clothes were in style, but didn't, didn't help. Um, I love this picture. And I always say, I love this picture. My sponsor loves this picture because I look absolutely batshit crazy. Uh, sorry for swearing, but just nuts in this photo. I've got crazy eyes. I'm 175 pounds and I'm holding a mug of water that I called H2O. Um, and what I love about this photo is that it just, you know, you can lose or gain the weight, whatever your flavor of this disease is. And it's not going to make a lick of difference unless you're working on that spiritual condition right? Unless you've really given it into, to, 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 to handing it all over. Cause this guy is absolutely nuts and incredibly sad. And yeah, he's in a smaller body, but the price way too high to keep because as soon as life got hard, right. You know, food comes a knocking and here I come. This is a couple of years before I crawled into these rooms, absolutely broken, wanting to die and just not wanting to to continue on anymore. There 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 was nothing left for me. You know, um, there was nothing left. And uh, in this picture, I was uh, going through a divorce. Um, I didn't know this yet. A few years after this photo was taken, my kidney uh, would fail. It's the one my brother gave me. So, you know, that made it extra, extra easy uh, to, to beat myself with. This is me last April uh, on my natal birthday. You know, I have, uh, I promise, I swear I have a better duvet cover, but um, I'm still not wearing pants. 
just so you know. I get to talk about the prefaces and the forewords. And, and I actually wanted to do this because, again, I, I, I needed proof. And I'm so grateful that my sponsor had me do the big book cover to cover. Um, because I really needed to hear what was said in, in the beginning of, of this book. And I always try to keep in the forefront of my mind from the preface that that first second paragraph or the second paragraph, because this book has become the basic text for our society and has helped such large numbers of alcoholic men and women to recovery, there exists strong sentiment against any radical changes being made to it. And I always try to remember that when I take the instructions in this book, that it was a bunch of drunks and addicts who got together to put this thing together. And if you've ever been to a business meeting, you know that just getting something changed in the format is a burden, right? Something getting changed in any part of the meeting is like all out war and the stakes are high. People are really, really emotionally charged. And imagine a bunch of them sitting around trying to put the text of this together. So when I think of those, the, 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 the experience and then the insanity that these guys went through, women went to, to, to put this text together, I go, what do I have to lose? They did the hard part. I'm just copying their homework. Going on. Um, in the forward to the first edition. Is it there? I don't know. Sorry. I'm really nervous today. And it's because I have um, a sponsee who's in relapse. And I'm in a meeting with, or not a meeting, but a, a get together with, with a bunch of guys. And on top of one of my sponsees, there's two other guys in relapse right now. And it scares the shit out of me. And the hard part, and that boggles my mind is that, yeah, it scares the shit out of me, but you know, when I see other people and it doesn't scare the hell out of them because we're not hopeless. This book says right here, right? From a seemingly We've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. We're never hopeless. Does it feel this way sometimes? Yes, absolutely. And I still get moments where it wants to stick, you know, that, that icky, dark feeling of, let me just pull away a little bit, right? Let me not make that second call I committed to. Let me, let me not make that second, uh, out, you know, return that other outreach call that was made to me. And then it grows like weeds. And then I'm covered in it. But you're not hopeless. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. One of my favorite things is to 
to look up, you know, the words, right? And and when when I've looked up recovered for, as instruction, believe me, not on my own. I like doing it now. But one of the definitions was restored to usefulness. And I didn't think that was possible for me anymore. And you might have heard me tell the story before, before, before I, I, I was broken enough to go see a therapist to, to ask her what my problem was. You know, I sat in here and, and I just wanted to die and I'm scrolling through the phone and everything seemed heavy and I couldn't do it. Convinced no one wanted to talk to me, that no one was interested. I'd effectively cut myself off from everyone back home in my hometown of Chicago. And I was convinced that I couldn't be of use to anyone. Thank God I have recovery today because today I've been restored to usefulness. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. Right. And it's easy to go to go, oh, my God, this person's so annoying, or it's easy to go, this person irks me. Or whatever other criticism that I've got, you know, locked and loaded for someone. But we're sick people. We have a disease. And, and here's the messed up thing about this disease. It, it sounds like me in my head, right? If it sounded like, you know, the fourth grade teacher that was mean to me, if it sounded like my dad, if it sounded like the annoying guy at work, I'd be like, shut up. I'm not trying to hear it. This disease sounds just like me. It tells me, Lewis, take the edge off. Lewis, you've had a long day. Haven't, haven't, you know, don't, don't you deserve to take a break? Sleep in. You don't have to do prayer and meditation today. You don't have to review your, 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 your day at the, at the end of it. And then the slip starts, right? I keep thinking about those guys in relapse right now. And, and, you know, in talking about it to other people, odds are pretty good. No one mugged these guys and shoved food into their mouth, right? The standards were relaxed. I have to take my medicine. I have to take the spiritual medicine. This is the, this is, this is the, 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 the um, prescription that I've been given. If I don't take the pills that I get from the doctor monthly, this second kidney that I have is going to fall right out and be really embarrassing when it does, but it's going to go. 
just because I feel better now doesn't mean, right, that I'm not still sick. Towards the end of the first, forward of the first edition, we simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. There's a paragraph later on in the big book that I absolutely love because it tells me that the dark past that I've had is the greatest gift that I can give to someone else. And it's why I can't delete those photos. It's why I can't forget the negotiations I would have standing in the convenience store gas station, you know, at 10 o'clock at night deciding, you know, what I'm going to binge on from there. It's overpriced anyway. I can't, I can't forget those moments of, 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 you know, signing off on my BS at the end of the day going, Oh, I, I, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have breakfast. So I'm just going to pile on here, you know, and the lies would just roll out of my mouth, like nothing. Can't live like that anymore. I don't want to be sick. Every day I have to work to be restored to that usefulness. To the second edition, a wholesale miracle has taken place. And I love this because when I think, when, you know, right definition of wholesale on a large scale without discrimination. Later in the book, we read about how we're people that normally wouldn't mix. Further down, you know, later on in, 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 these, in, in this reading, we'll read about how we're this cross-section, you know, of the world and the growth of the fellowship. That, right, no matter where we are, Odds are pretty good. We're going to find a fellow there. I mean, here in Los Angeles, you can't spit without hitting someone in, that's in 12 step. We're lucky, you know, and we're even luckier now because we've got Zoom. I can go to New York on a Saturday morning. I can come back to Studio City on a Sunday morning. I can go to Texas during the week. One of my favorite lines in the, in this is, uh, where is it? To the astonishment, and this is in the forward of the second edition still, to the astonishment of everyone, AA's message could be transmitted in mail as well as by word of mouth. And that was the line that really saved me um, when the pandemic happened. Because I kept reminding myself, Lewis, if some drunk in the middle of nowhere can write a letter to some other person in, in Akron or New York with the hopes that some other drunk will even open that letter, read it, write something back. You know, you're talking what, two, two weeks, maybe someone gets to it. And by the time you get it, I just imagine this poor bastard opening the letter and going, I'm not even feeling that anymore. But what relief to know that you're not alone What relief that I could flip the computer on and just be here, right? And even then, nothing's perfect. 
oh my gosh, do I love reminding myself of nothing's perfect. You know, this meeting could have been across the street from my job, right, in real life. And I'd still be mad because, oh, I'm still, I've still got two more emails to send. It's never enough. The 12 and 12 reminds me, right, that I've got all my instincts, God-given instincts are just jacked to 11, you know, that, and it doesn't matter what it is, right? Whether it's, it's love, whether it's, it's money, prestige, all of it. I just, I just, I'll always want more than my fair share. Always. Later on in the second edition, in the forward to the second edition. And this has been really one of the biggest, biggest basis for how I operate now. AAs had to hang together or die separately. I can't do this without you. I can't. I tried for 37 years to do it without anyone. To, 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 to go it alone and to say, I got this. I'm smart enough to know better. Oh, I know what I got to do. I know, I know, I know, I know. And saying I know is such a dangerous phrase. Later on, you know, we'll find out, right? Because just saying I know that self-knowledge ain't going to do jack for me. I need you guys. Every day I have to reach out for those lifelines that I pray to God are there every day. You know, and, and it's so easy because I'm guilty of it too when I get the call. Oh, I'll return it. I'll return it. I'll return it. And sometimes I need either my sponsor or another fellow to get my head out of my ass or remind me that, Lewis, someone answered the phone for you. When you, when you were at Universal Studios and you had to get off the Harry Potter ride because you were too fat to ride it and you were devastated and making calls, people answered your call, Lewis. Two minutes left. When you were, when I was terrified of eating sushi for the first time in abstinence and making calls and just saying, what do I do? Someone answered my call. We have to do this together or we'll die alone. Each day, in the forward to the third edition, each day somewhere in the world, recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, sharing experience, strength, and hope. And I like that it reminds me that it's the beginning of it, the identification process. That's why it's so important for me to show you my pictures. That's why it's important for me to tell you my story. And if you want to ever know more, I'm happy to tell you uh, uh, on the phone or something, but that's where it starts. That's, that's the beginning of the path, right? That's the beginning of the trudge to happy destiny. That's where the spiritual work begins because then when I can say, yes, that's me, 
I can say, now what? Today, I get to come from a place of humility and I practice on the principles of, I don't know nothing. Sometimes people get a chuckle out of that and I'm like, no, no, I'm serious. I don't know anything. When fear comes, it doesn't, there's no place for it to stick when I let people know what's going on. When I start getting the crazy I thoughts or lurking notions, I can't, I can't afford those. So if you're struggling today, get into the big book, reach out to someone. My number's in, in my little box here and every, a few people have numbers in their boxes. Look for it in the chat, reach out, take out those lifelines, right? And if you're doing well today, congrats. Make a call to someone who's struggling. Build those connections with someone else. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for letting me share. Thank you so much, Lewis. That was really warmed all of our hearts, I'm sure. And filled this up in a way that food never could. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to what we just read uh, and what's being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to ask a question or share, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. And with the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up, please. Melissa P, you're first tonight, go ahead. Oof, okay, I thought I had a minute. I'm a little for lunch right now, Lewis. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable and just kind of letting us crawl around inside your heart for a little bit tonight. Um, can you please tell me about how you handle when fear crops up? I loved what you said about how fear has nothing to stick to um, when you're talking to people about it. So I would just like to hear a little bit more about your process, about how you handle fear. Yeah, great. Great question. Cause you know, I, I say, um, before, before I came in, I, I was a fear-based engine, right? Um, I just ran on fear. I, I was, you know, afraid of, of obviously worst case scenarios, right? You know, I'd be afraid of something bad happening to me, to someone else, or, you know, well, especially me, but I was also fearful of good things, right? Oh my God, what if I actually do get this? What do I do now, right? Then that worry kicks in and I'm paralyzed by it. You know, today, right? You know, when the op what's the opposite of fear for me today? You know, it's faith, you know? And, and believe me, before, I, when I walked into these rooms, I had resentments towards the God I, I, I grew up with. You know, I've cleaned those up today, but today I have a higher power that, has my back 110%. So, so for me, I have to lean into that faith, right? And I have to lean into that work also, you know, I can't keep, keep the stuff to myself. You know, I have to let my sponsor know first, right? That's he's, he's usually the first person I go to with, with my, 
wacky ideas with my gut checks and with sometimes I just need to know, is this, is this crazy? And him, if I can't get a hold of my sponsor or some other fellow, I just have to let someone in on it. I have to let someone in on it because my perception is not reality, right? Like I am a habitual re reality denier. I, my head comes up with some really strange things sometimes. And that's, that's what I need. I need someone to sometimes pull my head out of my butt and go, Lewis, that's not the truth. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I'm going to take a question. This is Amy B. Compulsive reader living in a recovered state today. Thank you, Arlene, my partner, Team Monday in August. And thank you, everyone doing service at the meeting. And especially thank you, Lewis, for coming tonight. And um, yeah, showing us that no matter what is going on in our lives, that there's something in the book for that. Um, you talked about um, not knowing anything and about, um, you know, needing people and about, um, seeing fellows in relapse and all of that. And it just, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I didn't expect to be so, so emotionally affected by a share on the prefaces and the forwards. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. Um, yeah, that snuck up on me. Um, and uh, I guess I just, I, I, I guess I just wanna, what do you, what do you, what do you do? That the seemingly hopeless part, I guess that's the thing, the seemingly hopeless, because I've always thought that hopelessness was sort of a pre prerequisite, needing to like, know that I have nothing left. But then that idea of like, seemingly, we have to remember that things are not always what we, what they seem, we're dishonest. I mean, how do you cut through knowing that you know nothing and yet having those loud voices, I guess, how do you cut through that? I don't even know what I'm asking. Can, do you have any comment on my babbling this evening, my friend? <laughs> uh, I'm not, so I'm not sure if you mean like, I can't like me trusting my own PR department, I can't do that. Right. You know, um, but that's where the, you know, you know, continuously throughout the day, right. Seeing where I am being selfish or, you know, self-seeking or, you know, asking God in the morning to divorce me from self-will, you know, to divorce me from, from, you know, all the other stuff. But so it's, so there's a continual check process, right? There, there's a, there are some, there are straight up directions in the book on that check process. So, so like the noise is kept to a minimum if I keep working at it, you know, like I, I tell people, listen, I, I go to what minimum three, four meetings a week, right? I give service where I, you know, in, in, in two of my meetings uh, and, you know, I give service at the board level, you know, I have sponsees, you know, I'm sponsored, 
I, I get outside help. I see a therapist, you know, and that's all for me to maintain the semblance of a regular human being, right? Like that's, that's the village it takes to raise Lewis, you know? So when, when I have you guys, especially like it, it, it when I'm being, you know, uh, uh, I think I talked about this another day where when I'm being pulled towards the middle by my fellows, you know, it's hard to co-sign on my own BS. It's really hard to sign co-sign on my own BS when I have those checks in line, when I have you guys telling me, Lewis, that's BS. So I don't know if that answered that. I just like hearing your perspective on a whole bunch of things. So thanks for talking. Um, <laughs> really, seriously, I was, I was really very, very moved by prefaces and forwards tonight. And, um, it, and again, it's an endorsement for this book. So thank you. Um, Emily, you're up. Thank you. And um, thank you to Monday for your service. Uh, Lewis, thank you for your share. I'm Emily D. Uh, recovered in Chicago. Um, I heard a quote today, something to the effect of like, life is like all miracles or, or no miracles. Like there's just everything's a miracle. And I think even the way that I think about what miracles are has changed. Um, you know, the flashbang moment of like the spiritual experiences, we know sometimes it happens like that. When I came in the rooms, 2012, I was like struck abstinent and that was, that was my truth. And, and now I know, you know, especially with having a relationship, all of you have taught me so much about what relationships are. Um, Cause I, I thought that I was the one who kind of like knew how they worked, knew how emotions worked, um, you know, certainly like had like a professorial nature about it. And then I came into these rooms and I watched the miracles happen around me. And I was just like, I better shut up and listen because I really need a rewiring. So I appreciate Lewis, what you said about, you know, what's going on in my head. Like, thank God it's not what's happening. <laughs> like, the script and the, and the movie are very, 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 very different. Thank goodness. Because, you know, life is all a miracle. It's a miracle. You know, today I, um, I had, I had some despair kind of floating around, um, come to find out that, uh, I had to be courageous today. I had to say something that was true and hard to say, and as soon as I said it, I felt the miracle of like, the, it lifted. And I talked to people before this, right? And it's just like, I'm not doing anything alone. I'm not walking around corners of my mind alone. I'm not navigating like, you know, needing help alone, getting outside help. Like, and, and to be so reliant on all of you um, feels very uncomfortable. I don't want to rely on any of you. I really don't. I want to just, you know, self-will my, myself, um, but that'll get me, as you said, the dark past is our greatest gift. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing your dark past um, and being so vulnerable with us. Um, and, you know, we're all miracles by being here. So I'm just really touched by, by seeing everybody's faces tonight with that. I will pass. Thank you, Emily D. Good to see your face too. Elena, you are up. Hi everyone, I'm Elena. I am restored to usefulness today. Thank you for that, Lewis. Where are you? I can't even see you. Um, 
And I enjoy saying that because that's that's really the truth. Um, I appreciated how you spoke about kind of like this idea of prelapse and how, you know, one thing leads to another. And then, you know, before you know it, you don't call somebody back, you this, you that. And then before you know it, you're in relapse. Um, and just because I feel better right now doesn't mean that I'm not sick. And I think that's what brought me to the rooms is this mental twist that, you know, having lost a ton of weight doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. I'm crazy up here. And, um, and one of the things that I didn't feel comfortable with in the beginning was relying on everyone or being in the center of the herd or, um, you know, not being able to do this without you. And now I'm like so grateful for that. And this more or this afternoon, my sponsor and you mentioned like you just have to like bring it out, like just speak about it. You know, for me, I you know, when I'm feeling fear, sometimes I hear, oh, you just need to go pray, go meditate. I don't hear shit. Like I can't access the message that way. I have to call. I'm a verbal processor. I have to speak it out and bring it to the light with somebody else. And that's how I hear the message. So my sponsor today got my head out of my ass because I've been dealing with this thing around um, perfection. And if, well, and when I wake up in the morning, it's like, I got to get to the meditation room. I got to pray. I got to meditate. It has to look like this. I have to say the these and the vows. I have to do things that don't feel right for me. And it's like, I need people's permission to tell me that I can do what works for me. And so when you speak about the severity of the disease, which is what I heard tonight, that this is no joke. And I just turned 40 and I never thought in a million years that I would make it to this age because I probably would have suicide something illness, something like that. And so when I hear about the severity of the disease, I get afraid, like, oh my God, I don't want to lose this. And that's what makes me get into like the, you know, restrictive mode. I have to do this. I have to do it perfect. So how do you kind of ease in to, um, how do you feel comfortable, but not that comfortable that you're like going into that dark territory? Because I want to kind of ease into this program without being so afraid that I have to do everything and just kind of like enjoy. And like the big book says, or, you know, like the fellowship that we crave. Um, how do you kind of make that balance? If does, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And it's funny because, uh, uh, you know, so, so many so, uh, some of you know me outside, right outside the meetings personally. And, you know, I love to joke around, you know, I have a lot of fun. I, I, I absolutely love the life that I'm living today. The promises have absolutely come true for me. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's even better than the life I had before. Like this is absolutely the best I have ever felt. And, you know, but that part, came for me after, you know, getting through that kind of wall of, you know, oh gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. I legit thought when I, when I started OA, that I was like, oh, wh what am I going to look like after this? Am I, am I like my personality? I'm like, is it going to change? Am I not going to be funny anymore? You know? And, and that's the crazy thinking. Cause I mean, like, like that doesn't Lewis, no. No, but you just, the trust kicks had to kick in for me where it's like, okay, I don't have that trust in a higher power just yet. Right. My first year I was doing a lot of acting as if that, that spiritual experience was a very slow burn for me. 
I, I always call it like the dimmer switch, you know, I was sitting around in the dark and all of a sudden it, you know, like I, Oh shit. Um, but, but it was just in for me to trust that, like, Oh my God, I would see people in the rooms going, they seem all right. Like they seem to be, what are they doing? Right. And then, you know, talking to them, what do you, what do you do? Oh, and the common thing, at least for me, from asking those people, right, was getting into the work, right, into the step work, and the rest of it just fell into place. And all of them said the same thing, and I didn't quite believe it, you know, but I acted on that trust. They're like, the rest just kind of works itself out, right? The rest kind of, and I would just focus on the work. Now, the best part is, when if you didn't pray and meditate exactly the way you wanted to this morning, guess what? You get to do it again tomorrow. You know, oh, oh gosh, you didn't like fill out the the thing. You didn't think, oh gosh, maybe I answered that I fell into the stream of life today. I answered it wrong today. Guess what? You get to do it again tomorrow, <laughs> right? <laughs> like you get to do it again tomorrow. Oh gosh, this fourth step, it has to be perfect. Like, no, you get to do another one at some point, right? Like it's not our, our end all be all things. We get to do it again. We, that's why it's a spiritual practice, right? You know, like it's not, when people, when I hear progress, not perfection, no, 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 it's spiritual progress, not perfection, right? The only thing I do perfectly is not eat my alcoholic foods. Aside from that, every morning I'm waking up a compulsive overeater again, and I'm getting to practice compassion, right? I'm getting to practice tolerance, not just of other people, but of my own discomfort, right? It's a constant practicing of those muscles. The book told me it becomes a working part of the mind. My first year and a half, two years, I was like, yeah, right. You know, then all of a sudden I'm just like, holy crap, I actually do care about what's going on with this person. What is this? Who am I? It's so it's, it's a spiritual practice. Yeah. Thank you. We will now stop the recording.